Hello and welcome to our Hope Story Circle put on by the Peace Alliance. And welcome to Peace On, your source for inspiring conversations and information from thought leaders across the spectrum on topics related to the strategies of building peace, fostering nonviolence, and creating a world that thrives, shifting our understanding toward empathy, compassion, and connection. It's so lovely to see all of you here today. My name is Terry Mason. I'm on the board of the Peace Alliance. And I'm joined today to facilitate by Liz Gannon Graydon, who is also on the board, and Yelena Bobovich, who is our Teaching Peace in Schools lead and mindfulness expert at the Peace Alliance. We welcome all of you to be here today. And our special guest, I'm so excited, is Adrienne Ferry. Adrienne is a long time supporter of the Peace Alliance. She and I go way back with this organization, lobbying and advocating for nonviolent initiatives and walking the halls of Congress in Washington, D.C. and all of that. And Adrian um, has a wonderful story to tell today. But Adrian, could you unmute yourself and just say hello? Hi, everyone. It's nice to see you. Adrian, before we get started, you're not going to talk about this in your talk, but I just wanted to mention and ask you have an extraordinary garden. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You are, I mean, you do everything sustainably, organically. I mean, you plant things with each other to be compatible. It's very intentional, is it not? Uh, it's very intentional and organic at the same time. So if plants decide that's where they want to grow, I, I got no problem with that. So there's a lot of volunteer plants back there. <laughs> yeah, fruit trees and vegetables and flowers. Yeah. You have everything going on in that garden. Yeah, we do. I love that video that you shared. It was just terrific. <laughs> oh, the one my daughter made? Yeah, she's yes. cute. It was yeah. wonderful. It was yeah. fantastic. Anyway, I just wanted to mention your garden because I think it's inspiring. Thank you. <laughs> oh, wonderful. It's so good to see all of you again. So um, I'm going to hand it off to Yelena to lead us in a meditation, and then we're going to hear Adrienne's story. Yelena? Hello, everyone. <laughs> Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, uh, and whatever time of the day it is for you that are listening on the podcast. Um, yeah, I want to invite us into, prior to connecting to each other, let's connect with ourselves. Let's connect um, with our own body, our own heart, mind, and spirit. So just finding a way to be here in this moment, um, whatever that means and um, for you, whatever posture feels comfortable, that you can settle in and check in. Check in with your body, check in with your heart, check in with your mind, check in with your spirit. Just finding a way to come to this moment, to bring awareness. Perhaps you can notice breath coming in and out, your body, or maybe sounds. to invite you to open in gratitude 
to open in gratitude for the breath that nourishes every cell in your body. The breath that has sustained you Spring, thank you for your breath. To open gratitude for the miracle of your body, despite whatever weaknesses or limitation. Body that serves you. Body that allows you to sense to bring awareness to things around you. Whispering a whisper of gratitude to your breath, to your body. To open up in gratitude for your heart. I want to put your hand on your heart to really feel it. Your heart that beats so faithfully. Your life before you were born. Thank you to your breath, to your body, to your heart. Opening to a sense of wonder of the amazing gift being awake and alive right now. able to connect with yourself and open connection with others in this beautiful Breathing in. Breathing out. The gratitude. I welcome. I dream. Come up to hear your story. Thank you. Thank you all. Ready? I think Terry, you're mute. You are on. Your mic is on mute. Thanks, Yelena. I was just inviting Adrienne to unmute yourself so that you can tell us your story. Can you unmute yourself? Uh, okay, there it goes. The little button on the screen didn't work. I had to do the other one. <clears throat> Hi. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> this is great. Get to tell my story. <laughs> 
So um, I worked for the sheriff's department for about 37 years. And most of that stent has been in facilities, my backgrounds in architecture and project management. But about um, 10 years ago, I decided to take a position that oversaw the inmate programs. And the inmate programs that I oversaw were the vocational training programs. My intention was to build some uh, sustainable enterprises so that the guys could start learning how to get into green fields. And we were able to build a small farm and we did an urban garden and we got a recycling program. And the intention was to build uh, a solar panel um, installation class, uh, never got finished. So anyway, during that time I was there with them, um, one day I walked into the wood shop and there was this unbelievably beautiful piece, um, uh, an Anirondack chair. They would make Anirondack chairs as a way of uh, practicing how to do woodworking. But this particular chair was, you know, unbelievable. It was beautiful. The, the edges were curved. They had found some redwood. It was polished. It was really beautiful, great piece. But on the foot of this Anirondack chair, there was a cutout of a little rubber ducky. You know, so it was very cute and kind of childlike and very, I don't know, it just got me that there's a sophisticated chair with this little little rubber ducky. And then I looked up and there's Carlos, you know, who made the chair and he looks just like what you would think a gang member would look like, right? He's tatted from collar to, to sleeves. He has short hair. He has the, um, the uh, uh, teardrops on his face and stuff like that. And so I asked Carl, I go, Carlos, this is unbelievable. This is just so beautiful. You did a great job. And he says, well, thanks. And yet I love making, I love making furniture. It really keeps my mind clear. And um, I go, well, why don't you make these on the outside? And he goes, I'd love to, but I don't have, and he puts his hand out like this. I don't have a workshop like this. The workshop we had there was, was really nice. It had every kind of tool imaginable, um, all kinds of stuff that they could learn on. They had great instructors and stuff like that. So, you know, it got me this time. I had heard that story before in the bike shop and in the welding shop that they would get to a certain level of education then they came outside and there really wasn't opportunities for them to either continue learning their craft or uh, being able to practice. A lot of the guys in jail seem to not do well with others, so to speak. So it would be great if we uh, if they had opportunities to build their own businesses, right? So especially, anyway, so um, I went looking to find out, well, where where could we find these guys' shops on the outside and at least give them directions for uh, where they might be able to go? And I was working with one of the um, directors in the school program to see what we could find. Well, what we, what we discovered is that there were these places called maker spaces Right. And makerspaces had all kinds of uh, tools and equipments and opportunities to collaborate and brainstorm, uh, build new businesses and build stuff. Right. You can make anything. And so when we went to go look for where are the makerspaces in L.A., well, we noticed I wish I had a map because it's it's blatantly obvious. We noticed they're up in Chatsworth and Huntington Beach, Culver City, but there was nothing in center L.A. There was nothing in South LA. And a lot of the guys, not all, but a lot of the guys that come from, go to jail are from this um, underserved um, low income community, communities. So, you know, time goes by and I'm in um, a work, I'm in a, 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 um, a conference 
tabling a, an event completely bored out of my mind. And I thought, well, I'll go to one of the workshops. And the workshop I chose was this lady was going to talk about this center of sustainability she had built in Compton. So I went to go watch what she did and she was explaining what she was doing. And I approached her after the, after the workshop and I said, you know, I was thinking, what if we built a makerspace in Compton or in South LA somewhere? You know, and this is what it would provide. And this is what I learned from inmates. And I also found out that it's not just inmates that don't have makerspaces, but it's this whole area. And she said, Adrian, it's interesting that you bring that up because I was thinking of uh, attaching to our building some kind of vocational program. But I really like this idea of a makerspace. It gives a, a much broader uh, opportunity for the community. Let's talk, you know. So we, we did start talking. Uh, one of the things that her focus was through the neighborhood housing services was that she helped people get into their first home, right? So they would normally be fixer uppers. So people that have fixer uppers need to learn how to fix them up. And so she really thought that we had some kind of synergy that we could put together. But as this thing unfolds and we start building what it is and it, you know, it, and I, I go and I uh, find what other places are like, I went down to Dallas and um, found theirs because uh, their makerspace is top notch. And we created what the program would be in the, in the budget. It was an expensive facility and um, we were trying to figure out, well, how can we start small and then build up? One of the components within the makerspace was a tool library. So a tool library is just like a book library, but you loan out tools. And, and they happen to be everywhere in the nation, but not in LA, okay? So there's 200 of them across the nation and, and none here. And I thought, oh, what a great, we could build, maybe start with a tool library and then build some vocational shops and then build some more learning capacity and then keep building and, and um, build this facility out. So, so we're, we're going down that path right now. And we do have, um, we were offered some funding from our board of supervisors. We were offered tools by Stanley Black and Decker. We are, we are in, the, in motion to raise funds. I have a little Facebook um, a fundraiser out there. Terry's helping with that. And so we're moving forward in that direction. <clears throat> and when Terry asked me to come to, uh, to talk about this project, what, what occurred to me is, when I, when we looked at that, when I found out that first thing, when Carla showed to me, we don't have these tools out there and in in where I'm at and becoming aware of that and then finding out more about that really unfolded unbelievable stuff that not only, not only was there not that stuff, but in Compton, I learned that there's a lot of grassroots opportunity of uh, grassroots organizations where people are trying to find ways to improve the community. Um, when I went into Compton, I was scared to death and I was thinking, oh my God, the gangsters and the, and the rappers and all this kind of, it's not like that at all. The majority of the community is all wanting to uplift, uplift the community and make things better. And when I go into the community and I talk one-on-one, there's this um, interest and, and contribution to what the tool library could be, right? So uh, one person wanted to make sure that kids could get this education so they don't end up in jail in the first place to have to get this education, you know? The, another, another guy really thought that um, fixing the roofs there would be awesome because then we could start getting solar panels on the roofs and then modernizing Compton. So in, in, by having all those kind of projects 
through the a tool library, it's a 1200 square foot facility, but the, the energy and the synergy with the community, all kinds of stuff's gonna come out of here that were unimaginable to me when Carlos told me, I don't have any tools like this. You know? <laughs> so um, it gives me chills just talking about what this little place is gonna cause in that community. And um, so that's, that's, what I, that's what I really got. That's the magic of, of uh, following a path, you know, that you don't have any idea where you're going. Wonderful, thank you, Adrian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the inquiry, and Liz, do you wanna, or Yelena, do you wanna share the inquiry? I, I think you started it already, Adrian, but Liz, Yelena, hello. <laughs> you're on mute, Liz. Did you, Yelena, did you wanna share or I can? Okay. You know, when, I, you know, thank you so much for your story, Aiden. And I, my mind has been racing for the last, uh, since we spoke last night. And, and one of the things that we came to together on our preparation call was that sometimes we notice something and we have no idea where that awareness is going to take us. And then suddenly like this whole world opens up for you and we don't know what we don't know. Um, which is in some ways good, right? If you don't know what you don't know, you can create a lot. And when we're informed, things can unfold in magical ways, just kind of like Adrian's story did. So has there been a time when this ever happened to you? You noticed something and thought, I can do something about this. This may be the beginning of an unfolding. Is there something that you may have been a part of that other, like you held a part with your realization, but then all of a sudden people came together and events unfolded in ways that you were able to co-create something um, much like uh, Adrian's story just unfolded. So we've, um, and the thing that I've noticed about this work, and this is kind of where I, I guess the last part of our inquiry is a lot of times you'll have an idea for something, but there are parts of it you don't know how to do. But I, I have found in my own life that people step up for whom that thing that's hard for you is very easy for them. They either know someone or have a connection or have a skill set you never knew they had. So, so yeah, it's a little bit lengthy, but I, I know Terry's gonna put it right. So think about a time when you were suddenly aware of a situation, an issue, a problem, and you said, I wanna do something about this. And then things started to unfold around you and you found people and pieces that helped you at least start the unfolding. Wonderful. All right, we're gonna go into breakout rooms now. So I'm going to pause the recording and then we'll start it again when we get back out of, from our breakout rooms. Welcome back everyone, it's nice to see you. We had a good long time to be together but I'm eager to hear what I want to share. Who'd like to share? And unmute yourself and speak. I'll I'll go quickly. Um, bless your heart, everybody, and thank you. What you're doing um, in Los Angeles with um, we picked up on the word sustainability and gardening and talked about community garden and healthy um, lives of sharing as a metaphor for how we create peace, how we grow peace in our community, and and want to grow people and, and not just plants. And we, I did plant doctor work on begonias that John 
Yes. <laughs> so cheers to sustainability and healthy plants and people and, and growing together um, for peace and beauty. Wonderful. Thank you, Anna. Uh, I was going to, this yeah. is uh, Arnold Block in my group. Two of the other people talked about how they, they do work with teenagers, one in Minneapolis, one in Israel. And I was wondering at the end of that discussion, and both of them sounded great, but working with teens, is that a, a different feeling or a different level of optimism or different level of sense of accomplishment than what the main speaker talked about, which is working with adults. Adults who've had, who are, are prisoners or were prisoners and had a strike against them. And is it, is it a different kind of feeling and, and level of fulfillment and, and what it's doing for the, for the world? Hmm. I'm not quite sure I explained that well. No, I think you explained it beautifully. That's a really good point. Teens have, have a lot of, I think teens in today's world have, in any time have a lot of possibility. There's so much that's possible and their innovative spirits and their inventive you know, thoughts are, are so precious to nurture. Who else would like to share? Anyone who'd like to speak and yeah. uh, yourself? In, 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 in our group, we, we, we developed on the discussed more what and 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 shared with us and we found that uh, basically we are also doing work with the inmates i personally we talked about reintegration mm. and in my group where we did say that once someone has served the, the sentence for having committed a crime it is high time we welcome him to the, to the side and what what we, what i normally do is that if he has gotten skills we provide these people with the necessary tools and equipment to enable them go on with their lives. Mm. Yeah, there, there was very interesting discussion in my group that uh, that's exactly what we do, giving them opportunities. And when you 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 get associated with these people, they are have so much knowledge which mm. you can learn for them and which you can be able to mentor them and motivate them to continue with their lives. Mm. And in doing this is one way of promoting peace in the sad. Because if we embrace them and we integrate them properly to the community, they and having having understanding that and, and, and understanding that they they went to jail because of this, uh, we can have a few cases of crimes and uh, and one of the one of the my, my brothers in the group said that uh, it has been found we reduce, the cases reduced even uh, up to forty percent mm. from the original ones. Wow. That's what we see in our group. Yeah. Yeah. I I think Adrian's experience with the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department has, you know, informed her a lot in terms of what needs to happen when people get out of jail that isn't happening, which is part of why you're doing what you're doing, right, Adrian? You're on mute. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, and what I had shared in our group that I didn't mention to the whole group is with the uh, um, with the, with the intention of the defunding the police and using those funds for uh, 
preventative measures and for rehabilitative measures outside of the jails, what ended up happening when they reduced those funds to the sheriff's department, those programs that I talked about are all gone now. So there aren't any vocational programs. The population of inmates has gone down drastically and uh, inmates that qualified for programs like that are no longer in jail. So I'm hope, but I'm hoping I mean, it's going to, we're in transition that when those funds are um, taken and rehabilitative programs are done and they start getting social workers in to go meet, you know, when they have uh, domestic uh, um, calls and things like that, you know, things will shift. But I think right now we're still in a transition. Yeah, 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 it's tricky. Thanks for that. Would anybody else like to share? I see a couple of links in the chat. Um, hi. Hi, Hi, I posted in the chat. It's uh, tomorrow we will, thanks God, this year we will have the peace camp in Israel, Palestine, because every year we, we coming to America, but it's two years. And the, this year we work hard and it's happened tomorrow for two weeks, Palestinian and Israeli girls, and I will be there. And we have a public event, a Salam Shalom event. It's in uh, uh, July 31, and you can attend. I post it in the chat for everyone, and you can register. It, this is happening in the Zoom. You can meet our uh, camper and also the alumni. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and I share like uh, how like it how it's from something hard to me. It's happened in uh, the second intifada in 2000, and I think about what to do like from this hard situation. And then I get to be a peacemaker. And first of all, I live in peace, and then I came. And I was like a uh, work in a political and I have master in political science and it's changed all my life. This hard situation really it's changed my life and I devote myself for the peace work. And always I say it, I'm not doing peace. I live the peace. Oh. And it's important to live the peace and then we can bring peace uh, to the other, to my family, to the to the world and this is my hope even the situation it's very hard wonderful thank you so much Ita. thank you thank you we have time for maybe one more share bonnie did you want to share something yes thank you i'm typing away over here okay. um the on um August 6th in Japan, August 5th here in America, um, will be the uh, timing of the awareness for uh, the dropping of the um, atomic bomb on Hiroshima. And with the Olympics going on in Japan, there's more awareness than uh, usual. And I just wanted to uh, pass around to everybody. There's an organization that does the peace polls, may peace prevail on earth. Um, they do a program during that timing. They don't have the link for it yet, um, but I was gonna post the um, address for the organization.
location for their YouTube where they usually run it, they are going to have a Zoom room. So that hopefully you could get from the organization. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bonnie. Wonderful. All right. I'm going to put a few links in the chat. Um, this, this, the Hope Story Circle is um, brought to you by the Peace Alliance. And the Peace Alliance has a mission to empower civic action for a culture of peace. Our website is peacealliance.org. Also a link to the Peace on podcasts. These Hope Story Circles, in addition to our monthly action calls and a few other things are posted as podcasts. So you can check out the podcast, Peace on Podcasts. It's also a link about our Hope Story Circles on the, on the website. Um, the Blueprint for Peace is a major initiative that's been going on now for more than a year. Uh, to make peace and nonviolence an effective organizing principle in our federal, state, and local government policy in the United States. And there's a petition you can sign if you're a citizen here in the United States to send a message to your state and federal officials that you support policy priorities around these thoughts and ideas. Also a link about the Department of Peacebuilding Legislation. We had our 20th anniversary last weekend um, to celebrate 20 years in seeking to have a Department of Peace Building established as a cabinet level department in our government. And we are a small nonprofit. We appreciate donations of any size at any time. And there's a link to donate, especially we appreciate monthly donors for sustainable income. And there's a calendar of events at peacealliance.org slash calendar is the calendar of events where you can find our Hope Story Circles, our national calls, the calls about the Department of Peace Building and anything else that we have going on. We'd love to have you join us. So those are my links and I'm gonna hand it off to Liz to close us up today with gratitude to Adrian. Yeah, I wanna say thank you, Adrian. Like I said, my head has been spinning and exploding since we spoke. And I wanted to tie a couple of ideas that came on here and I wanna specifically talk about uh, what Anna mentioned about sustainability. And my husband, especially in programs like what you're doing, Adrian, my husband and I for 20 years have been involved with a group called Our with an H, H-O-U-R, Children. And they, they really, um, they work with incarcerated and formerly incarcerated moms and their families, right? And it's run by a small group of nuns here in New York. And the idea was there were some young, you know, there aren't that many nuns and the convents are big and not full. And so it started out, they took one convent and for kids who, infants whose moms went up to prison in New York, they could be with them for a year. And then when they would come out, they needed a place to stay. So the nuns ran like a group home and the kids would be there. And they said, but you know what? The older kids and te teens have a need. So they took another convent and then gave that where the teens could live. And then they said, well, when the moms come out, they need a safe place that can live in community where they can transition. So they took another convent and that was a place the moms could live with their children in community. And then it went to this place and Rob, my husband and I, uh, for a couple of years ran the teen program. So I was thinking of what you said, Arnold, about teens, where we would bring teens up to visit their moms once a month in prison. And my husband's a filmmaker, right? So I'm thinking of Adrian, how we use all the ideas and he realized the hour in our children came from the idea that these kids spent limited hours with their moms in prison. They were our children. And so my husband during the year um, went and made a film. He, he, he took pictures of the kids playing with their friends and, and playing at their basketball games and stuff. And for Mother's Day, mm -hmm. he, he, is, he put together a film so that the moms could see their kids throughout the whole year 
having this very full life that they never got to witness, right? And then as they expanded, um, they've had some beautiful, uh, you know, fundraising. So they were able to uh, get a space for a thrift store and a space for a salon so the women could have jobs, right? That's how you create the sustainability, right? And then they had some big donors who were able to help them get an apartment building in New York, right, Queens, where the women could move right away into affordable housing. So I like that idea. I know what you were talking about, Anna, with sustainability, but I thought some of these programs, uh, they require us to be really creative to create the type of sustainability. And Adrian, I don't know if this number will mean anything to you, but one of the gifts of working with this group of people, right? They just keep expanding in terms of the services they do. And I know in New York um, that the recidivism rate for women is about 30%. But for people who have been with our children, the number is 4%, right? The recidivism rate for women who've been involved in this beloved community is 4% because they really have tried to anticipate where are all the places that you know, that they can not be okay. Um, and so I, I yeah, um, I, I just hope that you guys are as inspired by Adrian's story and work as I have been. And I hope that we all, you know, leave this call thinking, what's the piece of the idea I want to work with? And how can I connect with people who might be able to kind of have this idea that look different? And how can we create the sustainability around the work that needs to be done to really create these visions of beloved community. So I wanna thank you all, Terry, as always for holding the space, Yelena for your beautiful presence and Adrian for your story. So um, yeah, just thank you guys. And, and uh, I can't wait to see you in another couple of weeks and see uh, what's come up for everyone. Thank you so much, everyone. Feel free to go off mute and say goodbye. Mm -hmm. Bye, everyone. Thank Bye. you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really, that was gorgeous. Thank you. Bye, Bye. y'all. Bye. Thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought to you by the Peace Alliance, found at peacealliance.org.